First meet Penny King, Professor of Geology at the ANU, on how old rocks once did the job for us. I'm here to talk to you about an article I saw in the New Scientist, which was about Earth's thermostat can't save us, referring to the weathering of rocks being something that reduces carbon in the atmosphere. And they quoted you at the end saying, we now have a new idea that can be tested to explain weathering. And this can help us with our real goal to tap carbon dioxide in stable minerals. Now, that's a promising last paragraph. What did you mean by that? So this paper was actually a great leap forward for thinking about how the surface of the earth interacts with the atmosphere. We have been doing experiments for many years in our labs, taking little pieces of rock and adding them to solutions to try and weather them, and sometimes adding CO2 into those solutions and then precipitate carbonate minerals. You'd know carbonate from the skeletons of corals and carbonate makes up limestone. And so this study, for the first time, creates a really good link between those lab experiments and then what goes on in the real world, which is actually very, very different. So the study takes a series of lab experimental data and then try and predict what might happen in a big watershed. So think mountains, rain coming down, little creeks turning into big rivers and carrying with it material as it goes downhill. Now, one of the problems has been that's kind of complicated. There's trees, there's vegetation, there's minerals growing and being dissolved in that process of a river. And so this paper says, oh, well, let's simplify this. And so what the paper has done is it's, it's taken real data and actually then put it into a real-world setting hmm. in a very clever way. Of course, one wonders how to apply that because the whole point about tall mountains and long rivers and the weathering is it takes forever and when I tried to imagine an experiment whereby you would then want to get CO2 back into the minerals or into the soil or whatever it is like that, any development of what you've just said, you're talking about centuries, are you? Yes. And in fact, that is one of the problems that the paper has revealed. That doesn't work very well in terms of being able to take CO2 out of the atmosphere. And there are two things driving that slider. One is you have your lab experiment where you have your beaker and it's full of water. There's a lot of water available. Well, that's not the real world. The real world is closer to either no water or rocks being moved and taken away and, and transported. And so the problem that this paper has revealed is that we're not at either end of those sliders and so that makes it very hard to actually draw down CO2 out of our atmosphere in this manner because we're either not wet enough or we're not making enough fragmented materials, sediment, at the surface that's available to be weathered. 
Is there any way one could adjust that? We're mining vast areas and holes in the ground and mountains being moved all the time. Can we adjust that sort of process, adjust nature like that on a big scale? Well, that's something that we've actually been looking at. I have a student who's examining that right now. Because wouldn't that be great? Then we could actually draw down CO2 using materials that are available. Now, there's some issues with energy, having to break up material to expose fresh surfaces. Yes, you could use some solar there. Convicts with pickaxes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, why not? Australian tradition. That's right. (laughs) So, yes, you can break materials up, but you need to do that in an area that's wet. You need to have the right kind of ingredients that are going to react and make your nice carbonates. So you need rocks that are rich in magnesium or calcium generally. Typically, people are looking at ultramafic rocks, which come from the mantle. So these are the kinds of rocks that have the beautiful green mineral in them, olivine. You may know it better as peridote. Neither. <laughs> Neither. Okay, it's a, it's a beautiful green mineral that's used in jewellery. It's a semi-precious stone. And the greatest volume of the earth is made of this material. But strangely, there's not that much at the surface, which is very sad. And so that is harder to obtain. So people are then expanding their thoughts and looking at other materials like basalt because that has been successfully used in Iceland where there's significant geothermal energy to trap CO2 that's been bubbled into water at supercritical condition. Now, we can't really do that in Australia, sadly. Fewer volcanoes. Fewer volcanoes. We don't have that source of energy. And there is some controversy around how much CO2 is actually getting trapped. It's a very tricky business because a lot of these rocks have been weathered at the surface already and actually start with CO2 and carbonate minerals in them. So then you're caught with what's new and what's old and what am I really doing here? Well, having done that critical examination of the paper, however interesting, is there a way in which you are favouring, geologically, ways of getting CO2 out of the atmosphere in whatever means is possible? Oh, I think we need all means possible. (laughs) The major issue that I didn't address earlier is the volumes of material required to pull down the amount of CO2 that we have in the atmosphere at accelerating amounts is really very challenging. It's hard to pull down sufficient CO2 with most of the methods that we're looking at. The ocean is the ultimate large volume but then we're playing games with pH of the ocean that maybe we don't want to play. So I think we have to be putting our thinking caps on and using all approaches possible and still there's a lot more science to do. By your student, for example, and other students, and that's really one of the things I wanted to ask you about because there's been some attention in the last couple of years looking at geology departments at universities that many of the young people are staying away because they associate them automatically with mining rather than some of the most exciting things in agriculture and preservation of coastline and, well, getting rid of CO2. The possibilities seem endless if you actually think about it. Would you agree? Oh, I love geology. It applies in so many different fields, as you said. There are people studying groundwater, studying ice, 
environmental issues are at the core of earth sciences. And I stumbled into it quite by accident. What happened? Oh, a family friend said, you don't want to be in an office doing history. You want to be outside. And I said, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> and she said, you should do geography or geology. I sheepishly went home. And in those days, we had dictionaries. And I looked up the dictionary to find out what the difference was <laughs> and decided to do geology because I knew friends taking it. <laughs> and now Penny King is Professor of Geology at the ANU, the Australian National University. 